Hello, you crazy movie-loving people. Welcome to the new Dakota Boys Talk Movies. We are doing a special episode today where we're each going to talk about a year that was influential to us in the movies that came out that year. A year that, because of the movies that came out, caused a paradigm shift in each one of us to cause us to love movies even more or appreciate them even more, or see what movies could be in an even bigger level. Uh, just any and all of those things. And so we're going to each uh, uh, talk about uh, that year, the movies that came out, and then talk about uh, the ones that, in our opinion, were the most important slash influential to us. And so I'm, I think I'm just going to go ahead and go first. We'll all save, right. we'll save, We'll save Dakotas for last. And uh, saving the best for last. The best for last. It's got to be. I'm going to talk about the year 1993. Uh, wow. What a very good year. <laughs> it was a. It was an interesting, interesting year. We had we had Bill Clinton in the White House uh, pre scandal. <laughs> only only president for a few years. A gallon of gas was a dollar eleven. Uh, you could get a dozen eggs for eighty seven cents, and. Uh, the cost of a new home, on average, was one hundred fifty-four thousand dollars. So, um, man, I wish we had some of those prices now. Honestly, <laughs> oh not, man, not bad, not bad. Life expectancy was seventy-five years, probably about the same as now. Stephen, I know you just had a birthday and everything, but you're really making yourself sound like an old man. Oh man, yeah. Well, it, it's it's fun. It, I I miss the days of dollar gas, to be honest, because that was even carrying into when I started driving. What was like. When I get one over a dollar, I'm like, oh, the communists or whoever's causing this. I don't even know who's causing this, but I don't want to pay dollar twenty for gas. It's gone down a little, unfortunately. Yeah, lately, it's been little. creeping down again. So, but yeah, so so here we are, 1993. Um, maybe not the most uh, pinnacle year in the in the in the halls of filmdom. But for me, it was, uh, this was my 1977, so to speak, where there, the year, there, there's these years and in, in, in generations where the movies of that year just change, change you in some way. And some of the, some of these movies, I honestly, I can, I'll admit that I didn't see till later, but they're movies that still, that was the year they were first in theaters and introduced to the world. And so here's some of the movies that came out that year. We have uh, Jurassic Park. I think everyone saw that one. I think everyone at this point has seen it in some way, shape, or form. Schindler's List, which a lot of you have probably avoided because you don't want to see it. Um, I think that's one of those movies a lot of people have seen once just because of how dark or the content is. Or they've seen uh, previews for it on, on some sort of AFI <laughs> program because they don't want to watch it. Uh, the Sandlot, The Fugitive, Tombstone, Mrs. Doubtfire. I keep forgetting The Fugitive has came out so long ago. It doesn't feel that long ago. Yeah, and then you watch it. It's pretty 90s. Yeah. <laughs> it feels pretty 90s. Uh, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. Cool Runnings. Ah, uh, Cool Runnings Mon. You dead Mon. Uh, the Three Musketeers. This would be the Disney one with now this is gonna make people laugh, but <laughs> the Three Musketeers were 
<laughs> I can't even do it. Kiefer Sutherland, Oliver Platt, and Charlie Sheen. <laughs> and D'Artagnan was Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> you know... But, God help me, the movie's fun. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot... There have been a lot of kind of Three Musketeer, like, remakes and stuff. Yeah. The the quality of them doesn't really hold up to that one if you kind of compare them, because there was obviously uh, the the kind of runner up to that one would be the Man in the Iron Mask, which I feel was basically basically slopped together because oh we got Leonardo DiCaprio. This would have been right after Titanic, and I think they were just trying to capitalize on that. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, I'm trying to think of the other ones. I think the uh, the one where they kind of tried to make the Musketeers be like ninjas. That was the one that was just called The Musketeer. Yeah. And they had a martial artist do the choreography, and so it was ridiculous. Yeah, and then I uh, wasn't there a TV show on like There was. The BBC, the BBC did a TV show, or as Honest Trailers calls it, Fancy PBS. <laughs> uh, and then uh, there was that Paul W.S. Anderson one. The Three Musketeers, where he had to make a movie for his wife to be in. <laughs> Mila Jovovich played Countess de Winter. Yeah, it's just... And, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of strange ones. And then even before his 93 point, you know, there was that one with, like, what, Michael York, <laughs> I think, did, yeah. did, a ser- uh, did a couple of them. So, but I just feel like, I feel like this one is just all for fun and fun for all. Exactly what the critic says on the box. So... <laughs> Because I have it on DVD and I'm not ashamed. So, uh, I'll be I, honest with you, that's one of those films that's best viewed on a VHS, I think. Yeah, you need that little <laughs> tracking wiggle there. <laughs> and then the last one I'm going to bring up is Robin Hood Men in Tights. Ah, uh, yes. Because I don't. I know a lot of people think, uh, like, oh, this movie's the greatest parody and this movie's the greatest parody, but this movie is such a great parody of Robin Hood. Uh, Mel Brooks figures out a way to not only uh, show love, but also poke fun as the great, the greatest Robin Hood movie ever made, besides the cartoon one, uh, the the Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn. He's able to simultaneously poke fun at that, but also show love, and then completely just trash on the <laughs> the Kevin Costner one that came out a couple years before this movie. And uh, Carrie Elwes is just perfectly cast as uh, as uh, Robin of Loxley in this. And then there's just kind of uh, fun other bit players in it, uh, like Dave Chappelle <laughs> as uh, Achu, and uh, um, oh, just these random comedians who aren't even quite as fam- famous and known anymore, like Dom DeLuise and. Uh, uh, the guy who played Prince John, I can't remember. He was like this random Jewish comedian at the time. Richard, Richard Lewis. Yeah, Richard Lewis. Thank you. Uh, but what? Oh man, so much fun! And what's great about it is it's fun and funny. If you haven't seen those other Robin Hoods, and it's fun and funny, and just better <laughs> if you have seen those Robin Hoods. But either way, uh, I think it's one of Mel Brooks's best and i know a lot of people probably are even bothered by that but too bad <laughs> it was honestly probably his last the last good one he probably the did. last yeah and that's the other thing i was gonna say is probably his last good one because 
after this, he kind of struggled. I think he dead and he did Dracula Dead and Loving It, uh-huh. which is not good. Uh, and then he would have man, not too much else he would have really probably done after Dracula Dead and Loving It. The man's still pretty funny though, because he was he's, he's good in interviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like he still has his wit even in his even in his uh, elder years. But uh, I think the the days of him being that game changing filmmaker are gone. But he had a good run. Yeah. <laughs> so I know there's there's because been... he also developed Get Smart, which is a great TV show. Yeah, there's there's been talk of him doing like a a sequel to Spaceballs since there's been like a the because of the Star Wars resurgence. Yeah, yeah, I've heard rumors of that too. I think that'd be a bad idea. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, but to go back to some of my previous ones, the ones that were probably had some of the biggest paradigm shifts for me is I've talked about it before on the show, but Jurassic Park, uh, obviously the biggest, it just, everything it did in just, uh, bringing, bringing a creature to the screen where you were just completely convinced that it was a real creature and, uh, just the filmmaking done in that to to not just make a movie that had scary parts because there were dinosaurs, but I think first and foremost what Spielberg does in that movie is just creates so much awe and wonder that you didn't leave that movie scared of dinosaurs. You left that movie loving dinosaurs and, and believing that they got real dinosaurs for that movie. And I it's just you could just see so much love put into that movie because Spielberg himself was such a dinosaur fan as a kid. And, and I mean that whole triceratops moment where they were so close to it and, and working was basically just because Spielberg's favorite dinosaur is triceratops. And so he wanted to have a scene like that. In fact, there was a scene that they didn't film that he had storyboarded where Tim and Lex were going to ride on a baby triceratops. And I think they fit that into one of the new Jurassic, like in the new Jurassic world where they show kids riding on baby dinosaurs. Yeah. And I feel like that was their way of paying homage to the scene that never happened, but it just looked dumb (laughs) in Jurassic world, which is why they didn't do it in Jurassic park. You know, the thing about the two current Jurassic park movies, Jurassic worlds, uh, they're, they're (laughs) part of the Jurassic park franchise. Yeah. I know what you mean. They made a lot of really bad decisions, okay, that got put on film. I f- yeah, the second one especially. Yeah. That's... <laughs> uh, but this one is just all of the magic with none of the baggage when you watch the original. Um, and you get some really great performances from people that you, like, I was not familiar with. And to me, there's still those people in a lot of ways. Like, Bob Peck. Like, I didn't know him from the things he did in London, you know, on on BBC television and things like that. And he's so good in this as the guy who's just, like, so paranoid about the raptors and and, and security issues. And, and uh, Wayne Knight, he wasn't Newman to me. He was Dennis Nedry, you know, and just in that role. Uh, Richard Attenborough, I was familiar with him, but without a beard and younger. And so... <laughs> And so, you know, in his older age, I only see him as Dr. Hammond. And uh, Sam Neill, just Dr. Grant, Jeff Goldblum will always be life uh, finds a way. You know, I mean, it's just it just created such iconic characters 
that filled out this world that just made the movie all come together that you are tricked and are not realizing that the dinosaurs aren't even in the movie that often <laughs> but it feels like they're in the whole movie because they're they're just so part of the story um the another one that i have to bring up is the sandlot uh it holds up it's still just as much fun to watch today as ever just like jurassic park um, and I think part of it is that even when it was made, it was a time capsule of the 60s. And so so even though it was made in 93, it doesn't feel 90s because it's a film about the 60s. Uh, well, late 50s even, maybe. Yeah, kind of the late 50s, early 60s era. And so, uh, oh man, just the way it captures childhood in, in a realistic way is just... Uh, it's so great. Like th- those guys, I, even when you would see those kids in other things, they felt like it felt like their acting was worse. Like a few of the kids that are in this movie were also in another movie from my childhood called the big green, but the acting is so bad and including them. And so you realize that there was just something magical about the writer and director of this movie where he was able just to help those kids to be so naturally kids and so I feel like that's why this movie's so good is that they just feel so naturally those kids without the baggage of just annoying kid actors. Um, because the adults are really side players in this movie. It's it's all about the kids and their adventure of understanding this beast on the other side of the fence and the Babe Ruth ball being hit over there and things like that. Schindler's List was one that I didn't see till quite a bit later. Um you know, not not a movie appropriate for someone who was uh, yeah. eight years old yeah. at the time. Uh, this movie is just an achievement in filmmaking. Uh, more than just the fact that Spielberg was able to make a movie that seemed so real <laughs> and capture such an important thing to to never forget. Um, I feel like when things like that happen, we we have a tendency to forget about them after a few years and to move on with life. And you do need to move on with life, but how important it is to remember that this happened and why it happened. And then within this story, him just finding this story of showing this, uh, this kind of glimpse of light in this very dark time of, of how there were these people saved by, not just Oscar Schindler, but when you look at <clears throat> just the history of this time, you realize that there was a lot of people doing things like Oscar Schindler to save these people from such a, a screwed up, screwed up time in history. And so I think it's important in that way. And just, just it's an it's an amazing film in how he made it, even though it is hard to watch. In fact, he he let George Lucas do the post-production of Jurassic Park because he only had so much time to make Schindler's List he wanted to move on to that. It was so important for him to make it. And so George Lucas was a little bit of the unsung hero on Jurassic Park. He basically put that, helped put it together in the post-production. Yeah, but I mean, when you look over these, I mean, like I said, I think some of these aren't maybe the best movies ever, um, but I think they are just, they're there's some touchstones in here because I think even like Mrs. Doubtfire 
cool runnings and things like that were just kind of touchstones in what they did. Rudy came out this year. Another touchstone in sports movies. Yeah, I'm, I always think of that as an 80s movie. I don't know why. Maybe it kind of has that feel of an 80s movie. Yeah. Yeah, I know it does feel like an 80s movie. And I think it's weird to see like John Favreau and Sean Astin and Vince Vaughn look so young that we make it kind of older than it is, yeah. too, is some of it. And, I mean... It's 93, so you're just squeaking into the 90s. So, but yeah, so anyway, 1993, that was just a year that, the movies that year really shaped me just to love movies even more, and I and I feel like there are some good movies in that year, because I guess another one I didn't bring up that's still super popular today would be Groundhog Day. You know, I came out in 93, and people still talk about that movie, too. You know, I feel like people's love of that movie, it's not as big as, as people make it out to be, kind of. Well, I think it's one that just is in the conversation a lot. Yeah. You know, because... You know, like, it gets brought up, but I I feel like it's kind of like, oh, what can I compare it to? Fruitcake. I mean, every, you well, know, fruitcake's but, around all over the holidays. I, I feel like that's a lot of Bill Murray's movies. Let's. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to diverge a little <laughs> bit here, and I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't think Ghostbusters is that good. <laughs> I think it's pretty okay. <laughs> And I don't think like Stripes is that good and things like that. I think Bill Stripes is one that has not aged very well. I think Bill Murray is just good at being that guy that he makes himself very unforgettable, but his movies that he's in are pretty forgettable. <laughs> uh, and so it's kind of tricky because there are, I mean, Groundhog Day does have good parts, but as a whole, uh, it's just okay. <laughs> so, but anyway, that's a little rabbit trail there. Um, but like I said, Groundhog is still one that people talk about and, um, you know, was, was a hit. It was a hit at the time too. So yeah. But anyway, 93, that's my year. So Dakota, let's head over to you. What, what year did All you right. pick? I don't have any prices for you. I like <laughs> gas at the time. Let's just say oh. it didn't matter because everybody thought everything was going to crap. Oh, after this year, my year was 1999. Yeah, see, it didn't matter because 2000 was going to reset the whole world. <laughs> and we were all living like, you know, there was no tomorrow. <laughs> I was getting up every morning, taking a couple shots of Jack. Uh, we were we were all washing our milk jugs <laughs> to refill them with water to save for when when nothing worked correctly. And I learned I learned how to make my own ammunition just in case. <laughs> Just in case this things... Was, this was before YouTube, people. So we were having to, like, learn from news reports on TV, how to prepare, and books from the library. <laughs> it was weird because it was like... <laughs> I've never seen newscasters, like, how bad is it going to get? Mad Max level bad? <laughs> yeah. That, or... I think that's what was so weird about it is that, you know, let's see. I'd have been an early teenager... And that's probably why I wasn't as worried as maybe some adults were or younger kids were because it was kind of like, I'm a teenager, I'm going to live forever. But but it was just weird how seriously it was being taken <laughs> and how yeah. far they were going sometimes. And granted, it made good news. So, um, I mean. You look at it now, it's it's all kind of funny. It's silly is what it is more than anything. Yeah. For those of you wondering what happened, Y2K was supposed to have happened on – uh, New Year's, uh, our technology was going to be completely wiped out. There, and somehow this 
idea entered the world that computers wouldn't know how to transition to the year 2000 and that it was going to cause this giant glitch that was going to bring down the entire system but i was but i remember at the time thinking but my calculator can go from 1999 to 2000 i don't understand why they just thought there was going to be this massive thing where I was going to like, I don't know if we're going to be able to handle it. And it became guys writing 700-page books about it. Like, what? what is even in that book? It's, yeah. uh, it's crazy because basically society's grip on mankind was just going to like let go. Yeah. And we were all just going to descend into the dark ages. Yeah. It's like, oh, we run out of food. Or you have to. <laughs> you have to. Turn to eating each other, I guess. In the course of a few days, we were going to go from living large to cannibalism. So, oh, man. Well, with that being said, let's go into some of the movies that came out this year and uh, us thinking these were the last movies we were ever going to see. Ah, it was, I guess, from a teenager's standpoint of view, it was actually a good year. Yeah, For movies. Uh, It was the year of uh, American Pie, huge movie. I actually didn't really like it. I was like, eh, there was kind of a... That was interesting, but everyone was <laughs> like, oh my gosh, love it. Just We got to watch it ten times. And put a lot of actresses and actors on the map, too. Like a lot of people in that movie yeah. who are now... Careers are dead again. <laughs> like uh, Sean William Scott and Jason Biggs. Like, where are yeah. they now? <laughs> uh, but the real question is, did Jason Biggs ever deserve to be famous? I think not. Well, American Pie made it, though. It made him famous, so. Oh, uh, yeah. But, you know, that was that movie that if you're hanging out at a buddy's, like, that was what they'd pick to watch. And I'd just, like, roll my eyes, like, this again. <laughs> um, Yeah, a lot of, lot of uh, movies made this year kind of aimed at teenagers. Uh, Ten Things I Hate About You came out this year. Um, the funniest movie of all time, according to... Uh, myself at the time period came out uh, this year. Austin Power, Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. Yeah, I just love the I just love the crap out of that movie. I laughed so hard. I, like I didn't know that is that the one that had Heather Graham. Yeah. Okay. Like I I went to see this in the theater with my friends, and I don't think I've ever laughed so hard. Like I was actually. <laughs> Busting out, laughing. I was laughing so hard, I was slapping my knee. <laughs> Just, it was ridiculous how funny I thought this was. And I watch it now, and it's like, this seems like a really, really cheaply made movie. <laughs> but at the time, oh, I was just... I was just drinking it up, man. <laughs> you were just lapping up that Mike Myers um, gold. That's right. <laughs> Oh man, you were oh. just a big fan of Mini Me, right? I was. <laughs> he made the show, and he had like I think absolutely no lines on the whole movie, except that little scream he did. <laughs> oh man, yeah. What uh, else we got that year? Um, uh, one that uh, kind of going back to movies that gets talked about a lot, Office Space. Yeah, yeah, and one that still holds up. Even though some of the technology talked about in it is dated. Yeah. Um, the machine with the... Oh, God. The scene where they take the... Uh, they take that machine out in the field and just... Oh, the the printer that they all hate <laughs> and they just start just... just... No, it was a fax machine? 
oh yeah, is that what it was? I just remember them just like beating it mercilessly like they were a gang. <laughs> and the one guy they had to pull him away because he was so emotionally Oh man. Yeah, that's oh. pretty good. And I think that's why it holds up is that even though some of that stuff some of the things are dated that that work the comedy about work it yeah. never goes out of style. It's you know, and just like how your how the boss acts and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. At the time I didn't realize it, but this movie kinda had a lot to say about basically jobs <laughs> at the time. Um, from, you know, the the waitress not having enough flair. Yeah. <laughs> getting ridiculed for that. Yeah. To the whole uh I'm gonna need you to come in on Saturday. If you could, that'd be great. Yeah. That whole, like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem, man. I'll be there. Yeah, trying to act all <laughs> cool and chill about it. Yeah. Oh. I love this movie so much that uh, it was getting quoted all the time. That that uh, the whole line of, uh, have you seen my stapler? <laughs> like that. I love this movie so much. That got old. And yeah. then... And then I, at some point, turned around and I was like, I miss it when people say that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where I went. Oh, man. Yeah. Steven Root has that great little part of that. And then uh, Ron Livingston is the star of that. Yeah. This uh, really kind of put him on the map a little bit. This and Band of Brothers. Yeah. Oddly enough, this movie, this movie kind of... Uh, Kind of made uh, Superman three cool in a way. <laughs> yeah, that's right because their idea is basically the plot of <laughs> Superman three. For those uh, for those of you who don't know, watch <laughs> Superman three. You'll understand. Yeah, yeah. This was uh, yeah because who wrote uh, Office Space? Mike Judge, right? Yeah, this yeah. is back when he was in his prime. Yeah, yeah. Right before he would have probably no. Right in when he was had kicked off King of the Hill, probably too, which was yeah. a hit TV show. Ran for, so, I think, 10 years? Yeah, probably something like that. So, <laughs> Office Space. Oh, man, yeah, that is good. What else you got? What else was 99? Uh, it was a great year for animation, too, Stephen. You can't forget that. You had the big one, Toy Story 2. Oh, that was 99, huh? Yeah. Wow. Believe it or not, I don't know if it's become cool to say this or not, but I've been saying it from the get-go. I actually like Toy Story 2 better than the first one. Uh, you know what? At first, I didn't, and as time has gone on, and I've seen them both more, there's a lot of things about Toy Story 2 I do appreciate more than the first one. Yeah. Just, uh, it actually has more of a full story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and I remember at the time, there were some critics that were like, uh, a sequel better than its original, and I remember thinking like, nothing will ever be better than Toy Story. <laughs> you know, it's like, how could they say that? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I would kind of throw it out there. I'd be like, Empire Strikes Back, Godfather 2, Story Tori, Toy Story, Toy Story 2. Or Story Tori. Story Tori <laughs> would be, uh, that sounds like a Russian ballet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Toy Story 2. I would put those all in the same category and people like, no, Toy Story 2 is not better than the first one. Like, <laughs> like people would get mad. Like. Like, why are you getting so yeah, bad? Just, just mad. And I think part of it is is that the first one is just so beloved. And there is such great stuff in the introduction of those characters in the first one. That So, yeah, uh, yeah, that Toy Story 2. And another great one. A movie that 
heartless, heartless teenager me almost made me cry. Iron Giant. Oh, the Iron Giant. Man, yeah. The the kind of forgotten animated movie of the time that kind of gained a following over the years. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, at the time, it came out on... Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to date myself. Uh it came out on VHS what I thought was pretty quickly and I think it was like 6 months after the movie came out. That was pretty quick for that time. Yeah. I know you're like, "What? 6 months? That's that's like too long." Yeah, I think the average is like 8 months <laughs> they would wait to release a movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh sometimes a year you'd have to wait cuz the yeah. movie was just so popular. Yep. But I saw I saw it in theaters, and then as soon as it came out, I just bought it, and then, like, I was watching a little bit of it every day for, like, I think two weeks or something. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, and, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Jennifer Aniston the voice of the mom in that? She was. Who was also in Office Space. Boy, she kind of had a year going there, huh? Yeah. Wow. I never thought of her as being much of a movie person at this time because she was more known for Friends. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's uh, she's had she's had some films under her belt. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, the Iron Giant that was uh, that was kind of a movie that caused an animated movie that caused feelings before Pixar made it cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was made by Brad Bird. That's true. Uh, a Pixar alum. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. And because who who was that? Warner Brothers. Yeah, Are they the ones who released that. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So what else you got? I know there's another All for right. sure. Like one of the biggest movies of that year. You haven't said yet, or two of the biggest movies of that year. Well, there. I got a couple, man. It was it was a year of a lot of Sergeant Peppers, man. That's true. <laughs> This was the year it was all going to come crashing down, yeah, Steven. Had, they had to get every every piece of work of art out there. So. Uh, one I got here that I think you actually probably like more than me, The Sixth Sense. Yeah, yeah. I've always, uh, I think this is a, a very good movie. I think if you're a filmmaker, this is a good movie to watch. Yeah. Uh, the way he films it. I got drugged to this because my brother thought it was gonna it was gonna be like like a great horror movie, and I was actually shocked because it wasn't so much of a horror movie. Yeah, it kind of had some dark content, uh, and a couple jump scares, but not really a horror movie. Uh, so we went to go see this thing, and I remember going. It was like cold out, and I was tired. I'm like, why are we going to see this? Why are we going to see this movie? I could be in bed, laying in bed, watching Star Trek: The Next Generation right now. <laughs> but I watched it, and oh man, such good performances from everybody in this film. Yeah, and, yeah, you, a kid actor who is really good, <laughs> and the story was so solid. I mean. Uh, you know, you can you can kind of go through this film, but there's not really, and look for, like, the weak spots, but there's not really a weak spot in it, uh, at least not in my opinion. But, yeah, it was actually, actually a very touching movie, and 
you know, a lot of people in retrospect try to say, oh, well, I saw that coming. I saw the twist coming. It's like, no, you didn't. Shut up, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that's the thing is I think this movie is still uh, a good movie to watch, even when you know the twist. Uh, just, I just think just the way he films it and the way that there are Easter eggs for things along the way and all those things, some of the other, besides the fact that Tony Collette and Haley Joe Osment, especially, especially just kill it in this movie. Yeah. Uh, their performances are just great. Uh, they're great. And then what's weird is, wasn't this movie up for a best picture Oscar? Yeah, I think so. Which is just crazy to think about now. Yeah, it's. <laughs> So, uh, so I mean, there. I mean, it wasn't just like there was this weird group of people thinking this movie was good, but you know, even the Academy was saying, "Well, we gotta recognize this movie." But like I'm saying, I think it's because it was just the filmmaking of this movie was so good. And M Night Shyamalan, it was his script. The studio wanted it, and he basically had to trick them into letting him even direct his own script. Yeah, because he was a nobody uh, at this point. And they did not want him to direct it, and he kind of, I mean, he made a huge hit for uh, Touchstone, I believe, and the studio behind it. Yeah. Good movie. What else you got? Dakota? All right. One you're not a fan of that's on my list, Fight Club. Oh, okay. Was that, wow, that was, nice. that was a crazy year. Yeah. Fight Club, ladies and gentlemen. You Speaking know, of misogynistic. <laughs> <laughs> What this movie? No, <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter's a, Helena Bonham Carter's in it. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, yeah, she is. She's very progressive. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to She's say. She's very Helena Bonham Carter in this movie. <laughs> yeah, she would never sign up for anything misogynistic, man. <laughs> oh, oh lordy. Oh, what can I say about this movie? It was basically, I look at this movie kind of like, kind of like junk food for the, for the soul, pretty much. <laughs> well, people. Junk pe- food for the soul. People look at this. As Please this tell m- me that's an original <laughs> Dakota description. Yeah, it is, man. <laughs> oh, Bam. man. Oh, I love it. I'm writing David Fincher and being like, can you put this quote on the box <laughs> of this movie? I just need you to do that. Well, people people look for deeper meanings of this movie. Like, yeah, they, like they, true, they they're do. always trying to find like what's what's going on under it. But no, it was just it wasn't even much of a commentary about the our life, our not our life, but our times. It was kind of just a movie that. Um, another reference I can make is you know uh, some scrap welders that get pieces of scrap kind of just meld them together and they create like a beautiful work of art. That's kind of what this movie is. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of an anarchist dream this movie. Like an anarchist having a fever dream. Yeah. It's kind of what this movie is. It cuz it's just it's just chaos. <laughs> I have actually I know of a guy that doesn't like this movie because apparently <laughs> He says that that the guy is actually suffering from mental illness, and that the movie the movie is just making light of his problems. 
Well, there, he's taking his junk food too seriously. <laughs> I was like, dude, it's you're just reading too deep into it. It's not stop uh, doing that. Yeah, it, it, I and I and I think that's like I like I don't mind movies that are ridiculous, but I think this movie was just the wrong brand of ridiculous for me. Where I was just I, I just didn't get into it <laughs> that much. Yeah, it's it's not for everybody. I loved no. it. it yeah, was it's just, definitely not for everybody. It was. It appealed to the me. It still appeals to me. I mean, I I watch it occasionally, um, and I still get as much joy out of it as I as I can. <laughs> it's junk food for the soul. <laughs> it's oh, it's a it's a combos and monster energy drink for the soul. <laughs> true, very true. What's that crappy sprite our uh, Mountain Dew that people go to Taco Bell to get? Oh, Baja Blast. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Code Red, Mountain Dew, and Baja Blast. <laughs> oh, Baja Blast. Ah, uh, yes. That's to help you have your Baja Blast later after eating all those burritos. <laughs> oh, oh, too far. Bathroom humor. <laughs> I I think we've kind of crossed the line at this point. Hey, so. That's true. That's true. Oh, oh man. man. Fight Club. What else? What else? Man. Now I'm just. What else? Do you have any more on your list? Because this year was crazy. I have one, and for me, this is the piece de resistance. Ooh, here it is. The Matrix. Yeah, I'm not. When I think of this movie, I have so many fond just memories of it. I went to go see it, kind of not really expecting much, and as soon as the movie ended, I just sat there and I was like. Man, I gotta watch this again. This was like I think that's everybody's story with this movie. It was this movie was just a shot in the arm, man. It was it was something new. It was exciting. And you know, this movie is so good that the two crappy sequels they made don't even affect my opinion of it. Yeah. Well, it's standalone enough. Yeah. Where yeah, because I remember I, I years went by before I even watched the third one because I went to the sequel in theater saying like oh I gotta see how they follow this up and I just remember being like oh <laughs> oh <laughs> but yeah you don't lose any of the joy or just amazement you have for that first one um yeah how do you feel about I know some people have gotten on the special effects and how they how they still hold up with the bullet time stuff and the things like that <laughs> Does that affect your watching of it at all? No, I still think it was pretty cool. I mean, that was it was kind of done to death because after this, I mean, even Deuce, that crappy Deuce Bigelow Mill Jigelow yeah, movie. Yeah, I think if you remember that this was the one that started that trend, you're more forgiving. Yeah. And I think it's also cool that the first one was made on such a – they were like – barely given enough money to get by to make the movie the way they wanted to make it. And so it's amazing they did what they did. But I feel like it's the special effects of the movie are more endearing than anything. Like they don't, they're not just goofy or something, but yeah, the matrix. Uh, And with, you know, Keanu Reeves kind of having a resurgence in pop culture, people are actually calling for, uh, a sequel to be made, ignoring the other two, <laughs> and just like, <laughs> well, but we we isn't that the that's how we got the predator though, forgetting about the Zeke, and then making another crazy sequel. 
But at the same time, that's how we got the recent Halloween. Okay. Yes. Well, I didn't see that. But and, okay, there you go. And we also that's how we got Superman Returns. <laughs> there, there you go. Superman <laughs> Returns. It was supposed to be. For those oh. of you who don't know, it was supposed to be a direct sequel to uh, Superman Two. Yeah, to Donner's. Uh, the movie's a Donner filmed. Ah, uh, but yeah, it was a very good year. A lot of classic movies came out in this time. Ones that that uh, was back when WB was killing it. Yeah, man. Man, Warner Brothers was like not the joke. <laughs> Although now they'll always have the Harry Potter franchise as a fallback. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, people are gonna go see those even if they're like just atrocious. I love that's very true. <laughs> oh man, yeah. What's interesting too about the Matrix being probably the biggest movie that year? I would assume. Was that the biggest movie of the year? Money wise, I think or was so. It still yeah, six cents uh, somewhere in there. Anyway, made a lot of money. It was a huge cultural hit, considering it was rated R too. Yeah, the Matrix. Uh, I think it just fed into that Y two K hysteria <laughs> we were talking about too. Because here, the movie's about AI, uh, just taking over. You know, kind of how Terminatory. You know, it, the robots are controlling and then using us for. For energy and putting us into a, a dream fake state, fake computer state to make them energy. And uh, I think it just kind of, I think that element just fed into what was already going on in that time period, you know, where it probably just made that movie just hit an, an, an extra nerve. Yeah. You know, and something that, you know, just how uh, Terminator 2 would have hit an interesting nerve when it came out in 92 and the way it dealt with computers and things like that, you know, and now here we're at, at this level of understanding the internet a little better, <laughs> you know, by 99, you know, one of the reasons I saved this one for last, there's actually an interesting fact I learned a few years ago, uh, kind of about the whole, like, is, are we living in a simulation? <laughs> Harvard has actually conducted two different studies okay. to find out if we are all, in fact, living in a simulation. Oh, that's fascinating, considering <laughs> Harvard's background is as a Christian university. <laughs> so I just think that's nuts. Like That is nuts. How, how do you prove that? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, unless you figure out a way for someone to enter the real world and pull the plug out of the back of their head and then be able to come back and tell you about it. You're kind of in trouble. <laughs> so, yeah. and if and if we were, I think I'd be better off just staying in the simulation. Well, what really? Yeah. Well, that's what <laughs> Joe Pantoliano thought. Joey Pants in uh, the Matrix. He just wanted to live in the fake world, not know about the real world anymore. But yeah, those are our. So those are our two years that we just found were were interesting. Um, as you could tell, uh, both these years had some movies that you kind of forgot even happened in those years or were as long ago as you thought. Uh, and, and in a lot of cases where there, there's probably a handful of movies in each of these years where you still see the ripple effects of what they've done. You know, I would say specifically uh, Jurassic Park from my year and the matrix from Dakota's year as movies that are still rippling and having an effect in how movies are made today, whether it's from the filmmaking side of it or the story side of it or whatever. And, uh, and of course, Jurassic Park is still having sequels. And as Dakota just brought up, 
uh, everybody would be more than okay with re-entering the Matrix universe, and so that's probably going to happen at some point, I would imagine. Yeah. I, it's I, only a matter of time. Most likely, it probably will be without the Wachowskis, though. You would think so. You'd think maybe at this point that they would just be willing to hand off the keys. I think yeah. they've I think they've uh dropped enough bombs to Well, and I think they I think they've credibility and they've kind of moved on too where it's like maybe they'd be okay giving up their baby at this point cuz it yeah. used to be their baby and now I feel like they're like yeah, we'll let it go. <laughs> so, but we'll see. But yeah, what what years what years were really effective to you? We'd love to hear from you. Um, where you can tell us is on our Facebook page or in the YouTube comments. You can tell us the years that you feel like, okay, these were the years where the movies really hit me the most, and here's why, and here's some of the movies. And I'm sure you have a valid case, you know, and that's the thing. That's the thing that's that's cool about this is everybody, um, in this case, since it's so opinion-based, can just make a nice valid case um, about it. And so we just like to, to hear what you have to say about it and and, uh, and the movies that, that touched you. So like I said, that's you can do that on YouTube, Facebook, and we hope you are liking and subscribing to us in those places, and also on iTunes, we're in all those places. Uh, those subscriptions and likes uh, mean a lot to us, and just kind of give that spur to us and build some momentum for things, and we enjoy bringing these to you, and so we thank you for listening to this episode. This is Steven. This is Dakota. See you later. See you later.